Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. Episode 121 with Jackie. Hi, how are you guys? Doing good. Doing what a good. crazy day it was today. We had yeah. 100 or so of the folks from the VIP Pulse groups to hop on for a, a preview kickoff call, get to meet their groups early. And I thought for sure it was going to be a disaster of some sort. I mean, something, yeah. A yeah. Disaster, but you get 100 people who aren't used to doing something with technology. And at least me, uh, I always assume that most people aren't going to get it. But Maybe not a surprise. The crew yeah. who who wants crew to come to a yeah. convert event mm-hmm. is on the ball. We had to do name changes. We tested people changing their profile photos, turning cameras on and off, jumping into breakout rooms, chopping back into great breakout rooms, getting Slack installed. And I, I mean, I would say probably only about five percent of the folks had issues of some sort. So wow, yeah. I'm and impressed. Most were like a common theme. Like it wasn't like anything awful or they didn't know what they're doing. It's just like, oh, the desktop app has to be updated or, you know, something like that. I, was, mm-hmm. I think um, I'll make more work for us by saying this out loud, but it's kind of cool having like the preview of people before the event actually happens. That might mm-hmm. be a thing for the summit that we might have to do yeah. next year in 2021, like hop on just the same sort of thing, just hop on and like well, talk have, about it for a little bit. It's a great cool. idea. I have a prediction that many other people who have events will try to do groups using Slack or Messenger tool in the future. I can mm-hmm. see that. Already, I can see it. I mean, so what's fun is you can interact with people at any time, asynchronous when you want to sound really smart. You know, it doesn't have to be at, done at the same time. And I think it was Carly from MI Homes uh, mentioned in these groups are curated from the VIP group. And she's like, wow, you really curated because not only does someone in my group have the same title and role as I do in a similarly large organization, but we went to the same high school. <gasps> really? Like, oh my! I did do that, didn't I? Yeah, I yeah. did that. That's it awesome. Fun. It, I was actually quasi-emotional. I don't think anyone caught it, but um, I, there was a moment where when you see 50 faces mm-hmm. and you know 42 of them, it's kind of like at your wedding. I don't know if you guys, oh, yeah, yeah. you're like, mm. all these people are here to celebrate, you know, what is happening in my life right now. And I, no one, no one on the Pulse VIP call was there to celebrate me. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but it was just like this weird, all these people are here for a common purpose that is somehow around do you convert and what we do here. So that was, that was super fun. Yeah. Awesome and, moment. And there's more and more people like it's at right i think you were you're previewing some numbers this morning and i'm like that's a different number than yesterday when we talked yeah yeah events. we're over 300 now and yeah uh, it's really cool that's the other interesting part is you can keep coming now by the time you hear this it's over but it, that's yeah. true yeah. It's, it's right up until the last minute we can get people in and get them in a group and yeah. don't have to worry about food or any of that stuff so chairs that tables was, that's awesome that was awesome uh now you guys know what time it is what should we do here? What time is it? We, at, at our house, we say, what time is it? And then the little one says, it's bedtime. It's bedtime. <laughs> and then we're like, yes, thank you. It's story time. I think that's Teddy Ruxpin. I think. A toy from the 80s, for those of you who don't know, that was magical um, because you could put a cassette tape in the back of the bear 
and its oh mouth God. as it read you the story on tape. Oh my gosh, I remember something like that. Oh, it was amazing. I certainly did not have one. I didn't get very many cool toys as a kid, but I definitely always wanted that. So now I just have the sound effect to kick Close off. Toys you want. Closest thing. Jackie, you yeah. I want you to start because you told me about this a couple of weeks ago and I've been itching to have you on to talk about it. Yes. So uh, for those of you that don't know, I may have previously mentioned this in earlier podcasts, but my husband and I built about four years ago. And recently we've been entertaining the idea of building again. Like half of America. Yes. You get that, you get that itch every couple, you know, a couple of years. It was our first home that we had built. And it's very different when you build, when you don't have kids and you don't know how much space you need to then you have kids. And then to me, you know, all the closets are filled and overflowing. And so what we, it was kind of neat also too, to go back into the process of, uh, you know, being first around, you know, shopping back through and kind of getting from, uh, going from a more, how would you say this, Kevin, um, less of a customized way of a building process when we built the first time around to more the custom side of things. So uh, the companies were a little bit more smaller that we were kind of looking toward rather than uh, more of the, the bigger names. But this time around with shopping, I wanted my husband to tackle the process of starting because I'm biased. Oh, I'm, I work in the industry. I kind of know what to look for, what to ask. But I wanted to get an overall feel of more of our local custom home builders because I, I wanted to see being out of the loop for a couple of years, not building and, and seeing as much of the interactions. I wanted to see how they were handling the process now with um, information and communication. So Josh emailed seven builders. Pittsburgh, again, for those of you who don't know, Jackie and her husband, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes, right in Pittsburgh. And I lived there eight years. I love it. I miss Pamela's pancakes. Mm. In terms of smaller home building companies, not the shining beacon of Mm -hmm. modernity, let's just say maybe that way. There are eloquent that, that push the limit there. But in general, that's why I was like, when you told me, I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm thinking of, I mean, when we talk about small builders, some of these folks are doing 15, 20. Yeah. It's not. So it, it's, it was kind of neat in a way to see some of the builders that my husband had found or, you know, he was reaching out to just hearing the names. And so, um, and it's one thing hearing word of mouth and one another experiencing it firsthand. So Josh emailed the same email. Uh, same communication to oh, seven man. builders. Oh, and, mystery shopper. <laughs> which which is fun, which is kind of funny in a way because it was it's not even I joked with Kevin being like, "Oh man, if only this could have been like a on my task list or something, you know, something to report back on." But uh so he emailed and I thought I'd share a little bit about the experience, the initial experience from uh, an outside perspective because that's many, he's the bulk of people. How long did it take? Yes. Okay. Because I, I loved hearing my husband. So he's in finance. So he's kind of more, um, you know, he's black or white, you know, he's kind of the one to kind of get a really good read on something right away. So I picked his brain, um, seven, so seven builders, five answered back within 24 hours, which I thought was great. Um, one of the five didn't give any information really which I, I'll get back to that. But 
Hmm. I'm still counting them as responding back, even though not a lot of information was given. And two, never responded back. Oh, man. Two, which I, I thought of, of, especially right now with everything going on, that I'm, I'm sure, especially with custom or if you're... I don't small- want to tip our hand on the surveys, updated surveys. We have three of them now from just this year at different points in time. But mm-hmm. that one of the key takeaways is that almost everyone now is responding mm-hmm. at some point versus no response ever. So that's good. Yes. Which I said to him with the two that didn't, I mean, when I say didn't, I mean, it was within the week, but I, at this point, when I asked my husband about that, he was like, I've already written them off. So you, they might as well have not even responded. If it's going to be that a week later, my husband had already moved forward picking two that he already wanted to meet by then. So he, at that point, you're already in that next phase. So by the time that, you know, the other two were kind of flowing in, it's kind of like, well, I've already, I'm already past where you're at. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, when he offered, uh, he was talking to the, the first five that had responded back. It was just for, you know, introductory information about their process, what their included features were, um, you know, just general information that he couldn't really find on the website. And uh, so he he really liked right away, uh, you know, if they were very personable, they were able to answer his questions or kind of give him a little bit more than just basic information that can be found. Uh, you know, one person was just the one that didn't give really any information. It was basically like, well, our included features just depend on where you're landed. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't get a good feel. You know, I, I think at first impression is such a big deal, even in an email. So, um, and no. I got that first impression and what information you're giving kit could certainly be harder for a custom builder. Mm-hmm. And that, but that makes it even more important to know from a messaging perspective, how you plan to, to cover that information, meaning what's your included features or custom. So whatever you want them to be, um, right. you want to pay for them. <laughs> that's not a very good way to answer that question. That doesn't that, make you feel good. No. And it, I think too, with hearing that, the whole point, even if it's, if you're kind of a little bit all over the board with what you can offer, you want to keep the person, the prospect on the hook. So when my husband, like Josh didn't get really anything from that builder, he'd, he kind of already like took a step back because, you know, it almost felt like a little bit like pulling teeth to get information or even to be able to like move forward. It was just like, okay, well then I have to give you a lot more information to get anything back. And a little, and right now, today, people aren't willing as much to just give out all their information. So, um, you know, that, that kind of... surprising with it changing every 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So he decided on the two. And when I had asked him when he was on the different builders' websites, it was really neat to get his feedback as well about what stood out to him, what drew him into moving forward with the two. Because a lot of the the four, uh, even though five answered back, four gave, you know, that beefy content to kind of keep them on the hook. He went back to the website and, um, you know, he weighed the response time with being a big thing. Because at the end of the day, that's how they're going to treat you. If this is how they are initially, how are they going to be when I've already signed the contract and I'm, I'm a little bit less important to uh, communicate with? So. Yeah, uh, all the time people are, 
used to give us the excuse, well, I don't want to respond too fast and make them think I don't have anything going on. Yeah. Then they might expect that kind of service all the time. It's like, well, yeah. that's awkward. <laughs> but it was it was interesting because he he said he didn't like when he was on a website and they didn't include like they didn't show information like the included features. And I laughed because I thought if they gave you everything, then you may not have a need to reach out. Yeah. And and he he said, well, it also goes two ways because then if I like and I'm seeing something right away and gets me excited, I have more odds of reaching out though too. So definitely. Well, I think part of it is just that to me in home building is as much about branding as anything else. Meaning mm -hmm. your included features could be anything, but what is your company's minimum standard? And that mm -hmm. can, you can yep. tie that into other companies might use XYZ for uh, anything, faucets, windows. And, and that, Quint Lears has talked about this a lot in the series he's, he's did at the beginning of the year about knowing all the components that go into your home and the names behind them and the warranties included. But that's part of it is whatever included features the builder is making, that's their own standards. Mm -hmm. And that can, that to me rolls into what is your brand more than anything else. So right. what is custom? Custom could be anything. So I need to know what is your minimum standard to know if my minimum standard aligns with yours or mm -hmm. right. trying to make a Chrysler into a BMW or vice versa. Just mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're almost searching for like, do you build on average what I'm looking for? Like, right. are you this price point on average or are you this other price point on average? And that's interesting. Everything Josh was not having heartburn with because that sounds negative. He's like, why is it like he it's about me? Mm -hmm. Which sounds selfish, but that's like all the companies that that's are experiencing yes. growth is all consumer focused. And by withholding information, you're like, why are you withholding it? Like, are you hiding something? Like, it's like, there's no other way to perceive it when it should be about the buyer, except as like, you don't want me to know that for some reason, not because I don't know. It, or it, it, or it, it entails you to have to take the next step in order to reach out to get it as well. Like, and I think now that we are more in, into it deeper than most people outside of the industry. He doesn't see that as, well, I have to do this. Like, like they want my name. They want my information to kind of then draw me in. Whereas, you know, I, we know that. We know that we want people to reach out and we want prospects to come in and be interested. But it was, it was very interesting to, to get his take on it and go through the process from a different perspective especially now. Yeah. Sounds fun. So to keep you guys updated. Awesome. Yeah. Andrew, well, you got anything? Andrew, Andrew. So I collect gym memberships is my, <laughs> so I have home building marketing as like, what, what do I do in life? Right. Let's just, I'll put it out there. Home building marketing. We go to our church. I'm, I play at the church and then I have my gym time. And then I have family. I'm like, that's all I, all I do are those four things, right? <laughs> Very simple. But gym is like my 4 a.m. That's like my, that's me time. So there's this gym in Tampa. This is just, there's a point to the story. And it's a world-class gym. Like it's expensive, but premium everything. Like everything is like, why did they spend the money on that sauna versus the one that all the other $20 a month gyms has? So everything's top-notch. I'm like, oh, geez. And it's 20 minutes away. At four in the morning, it's 20 minutes away. At 9 a.m., it's an hour, hour and a half or something. So 4 a.m., totally doable. Later in the day, no, not, not quite. So I finally joined it. 
because I've been, I've been there over the years, like quite a few times, but I'm like, why did I not join this place before? Cause it's like, you step in there and you're like, oh man, like this is exciting. This is inspiring. It's like going to the other gyms would be like going to like a, a cheap hotel versus like, oh, this is the top of the line place. Like you just feel different going there. I don't know. Just made me think about like, oh, I wonder if, if you're doing that with your career, your marketing, like who you surround yourself with. It's the same sort of thing until like, you might not realize it. And this is what I realized when I joined there. You might not realize it until you step out of what you normally are doing. Mm -hmm. And then you're around people that are significantly better than you. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in a negative way or people that have just like, wow, you're an expert in that field. Not my career, but like, shoot, like there's totally different levels to everything that we do as far as growth and in all categories. And so joining there, I'm like, oh man, like, this is crazy. Like the owner has a super successful podcast. He does all these other things that he does around wellness and fitness and whatnot. I'm like, this dude, I forgot what his podcast number is, but it's like way up there. And he's got like hundreds of thousands of subscribers and listeners, all that stuff. So it's, that's been fun going over that. Going it over is definitely time. true. Inspiring. When we had our first call with someone like a year and a half ago, and you remember this, Andrew, and we said, how do you, how do you feel like you are comfort wise with Facebook ad creation, Instagram ad creations, I'm like a nine out of 10. And we're like, awesome. And then we <laughs> asked a couple mm-hmm. questions and she's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about with that. No, I'm like, mm-hmm. a business manager. I, I've hit the boost button and we're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's mm-hmm. not that just that the sphere that that person was in previously or the, or the agencies they're working with, that was, that was the approach. And so there's definitely in all, in all things in life, there's a bubble to break out of. Mm-hmm. I'm really careful. That was really the only thing I really disliked at the time about being part of NVR when they acquired Heartland was you would talk to someone else and there was no concept of what was happening outside of the NVR world. And again, it makes sense. There's what got to be 20, 30,000 employees or. Mm-hmm. Con- yeah. It's its own world. <laughs> it's yeah. own world. And so in yeah. that sense, I, I get it, but that was really hard for me. And, and now the other thing we always do when this happens, what you just did, Andrew, is we ruin mm-hmm. ourselves to never be able to go back. Oh uh, like, yeah. Unless you're admitting right. to yourself that you are not that kind of gym person. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be hard. I am ruined now. Other than like the schedule, I can't go there on the weekend. So I stuck, but then I go the other one. I'm like, wow, I never realized how sad, not how sad. But it, and just like getting out of your comfort zone. I think For also sure. just like opening that mindset, having a different perspective, so much to learn. We're always, we're all, there's always something to learn and be yeah, get better at and be better at. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like it translates over like, this is take it for what it is like. It's almost downtown Tampa. So there's a lot of downtown people. And if I feel like if you're going to downtown Tampa at five in the morning to go work out, you're a different personality. So the people there, mm. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like you're, I don't know what you do professionally, but like I could tell you do something that seems really important and exciting and cool. And yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been fun. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah. My story time kind of rolls into yours, Jackie, because we are in process with the house and also going through a custom experience. And I thought I, I thought I knew what custom was. <laughs> I did from Heartland's perspective. So here, full background. Yeah. At Heartland, we used to say we only really had two rules. We don't build ugly and we don't build unsafe. Anything else you want to rules? Cool. You either start with one of our 40 trillion floor plans and, and 
personalized. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But take any of those and, and we could even, yeah, you like floor plan, you know, the, the first floor of floor plan A and you like the second floor of floor plan B. We'll figure out a way to make that work, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And Push we would together. do almost anything, but it had to be selected and all the ideas flushed out for the most part before we began building. Mm-hmm. And now much smaller organization, um, they probably do, we'll do 30 to 40 sales this year, I think. Their idea of custom is completely different. We went to a design meeting and this is after working on the floor plan with the architects for a over a year. Wow. But wow. just okay. the layout and the, you know, just the back. And we weren't working diligently on it for a year, to be clear. It was like, oh, we'll yeah. work on it for two months. Then life happens. And then mm-hmm. pandemic happens. You're like, I don't even know if we're going to do anything for a little while. But we're in the meeting and, and we're talking about kitchen cabinets and flooring and countertops, all that fun stuff. And um, and she says, what do you do in your pantry? And I <laughs> didn't say anything out loud. But in my head, I was thinking, I'm going to put cans in there, maybe <laughs> flour. <laughs> Cereal, graham crackers. Right. Just right, right on the shelf. Right. Are, are you going to like have a coffee bar? Are you, what are you going to do in there? And it just, that was really the first time that it hit me because I've been more prepared through this for this experience that my wife has for sure that I was just caught off guard of like, when were we supposed to do that? It's not on any checklist. There is mm-hmm. no, like I've never lived anywhere where you had to think about what are you going to do in your pantry? Right. <laughs> a whole new world or, or wood shelves. Um, and so that it's just different. It's, I'm not complaining about it. It's not that it's not fun. It is just a different, well, Andrew and I, we were talking about, because uh, we're both complete nerds, mm-hmm. and it's like, I think I might build a computer, like build my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, that I is like one of my favorite holiday memories. Pretty much every other year around the holidays, I completely redo my computer. And I like every mm-hmm. bolt comes out, every piece gets audited and potentially swapped or, and it's just, it takes me back to being like eight years old mm-hmm. by the fire Christmas. You just, it's, it's a blast. I love it. And a lot of you listening are like, holy crap, that sounds like my own personal hell. (laughs) (laughs) Torture. Give me a MacBook and I'm done. So you definitely, like I, I joked with the team this morning on our marketing call together. Like I know why there's a lot of ugly custom homes in the world. Mm -hmm. Because if you think to yourself, I'm going to build a home for me, but you're not willing to put in the time and investment there, you're going to come up with some really ugly, (laughs) ugly stuff. Even the pantry, it's like yeah, pantry could do crap shoot. Yeah, we could ruin. We we could whatever you want can happen in the pantry. Like they'll build. Kevin, Kevin, I don't know about you. I could not agree more with the fact of just it being a whole new ball game. But I don't know about you, but there's also this extra pressure that it it has to be exactly what you want because you can't Mm. complain in a way that once you get in there. And you say, oh, I wish this was different or that, like, because I felt, I feel this extra pressure with custom that I should think of everything. I should know exactly what I want to do. I don't think it's that as much for, for us. It's a little different only because our only pressure is time frame. Mm. It's like, well, we Mm want to try to get in this house within the next year because our kids are getting older. Kevin's working a fifth bedroom and older boys make louder noises and, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just got to get out of this house for work if nothing else. And so there's this, 
there's this pressure of keeping the process moving and not wanting to stall it. But also every time we talk with anyone, they're like, well, have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe you have, but then you second guess yourself of have you thought about it enough? Um, right. But like even picking like crown molding, like what, what style were you thinking of? Yeah, there, there's part of that. And, and it goes back to just really having an appreciation even more so of folks who have any form of design studio process that is more formal, mm-hmm. uh, any checklist idea books that are curated by the builder. Like I, I would never recommend someone just download a PDF of, you know, 400 questions to ask yourself when building a custom home and pass it out to every, everyone mm. that you sign a contract mm-hmm. with. Yeah. But man, this idea of after like you've built 20 to 40 homes ever as a company, you probably know where people get hung up, but it goes back to the brand question of standard features mm-hmm. and you're connecting with because there's certain parts of this process. We went to, this is again, like Heartland was in the olden days. Yeah. I got to go meet with every vendor individually. So you got to go to the lumber company to pick out interior door handles and door styles, et cetera. And talking to this older gentleman, very nice, very helpful. But I ask about a type of interior door handle that I think looks nice. And he's like, well, that's an expensive one. We're like, oh crap. Well, we don't want an expensive one. He's like, yeah, it'd be like $500 more for the whole house. And it's like, like, oh, okay. So (laughs) in that process where you're going to lots of different vendors, every vendor can't have the same brand, especially if they're working with multiple brand standards or idea of what the prospect is. Mm -hmm. So if if there's eight different builders sending them to this lumber company and this guy's got to help everyone do it, then it makes sense. Some people that that is going to be a lot of money on a decision, but the included features of this builder when we were considering it was like, yes. I mean, questions that I would ask like, hey, sorry, last minute question before I sign the contract, what's the overhang on the house? Because I'd really like one foot all the way around. And they're like, oh yeah, that's our standard. It's like, okay, yeah, that's why I like you because I've already thought Mm -hmm. about that. So more to come. We also had a two and a half hour tug of war with the surveyors on the property. Um, it's just, it's, oh, wow. um, it's, it's more fun for me than it is for my wife, but it's just a different, different animal than especially going through it, obviously yourself. And also just a reminder for those of you who've forgotten from Andrew's stories of building or Becca's stories of building or <laughs> I mean, it's built. Yeah. Working remotely in a pandemic might have separated some of the marketers from more of the customer interaction in a way. Like the stress level walking out of that two-hour meeting with the surveyors where they placed the house completely where we didn't think it was going to go originally. And then even when we moved it, we're like not in, not not within 80 feet of where we thought the front door would be. Mm. And you're just wow. like, the tension is at an all-time. And then we find out that my eight-year-old who had been waiting for two hours because I thought it was going to be a 10 minute meeting had taken a rock and scratched. I love you. Hayden <laughs> into the side of our three month old brand new car. <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh, Just gosh. a cherry on the Sunday there. Yes. Oh, He's still alive for those of you. Who want. <laughs> He's still alive. He's still four. <laughs> He's still, still four. has four kids. Yes. Jackie, have you, do y'all have land? Yes. So okay, cool. that is what, that is a huge piece of the puzzle awesome. that, makes a big difference when you don't have that thrown in to have to search and look for. And so that, right. that is one step down that is nice to already have done. Was the land already in the family? Yes. Okay. That yeah. makes a big, oh. that, that's a huge deal. But, but, but then you dive into a whole new world. Yeah, you have to do the subdividing. You have to, you know, Kevin, I know we, jo- you know, utilities and you're doing the site clearance. I mean, there's just, yeah, starts to get to be 
not as fun as just kind of. Then my last question, is there anything unique that you are doing that is other than you have the land? So it's like, let's build on it. Um, because you can do custom or you are doing custom. Like, is there anything different that would not be normal? Well, okay. So every, and I think Kevin would probably have a good answer for this too, depending on who you ask. But I found that the way I'm looking at it is what is the like heart of the home? You know, we've always heard through the years, like kitchen is the heart of the home. But if you're like me, who maybe doesn't make dinner every night, but you still, you know, we order a lot of like food in, Mm -hmm. Two kids under two. This is, we're kind of in survival mode. Yeah. But, um, you know, our great room, our living room is the heart of the home. So I've noticed that I'm focusing a lot on like a two story kind of like that open, like the stone fireplace and those windows. Sounds so warm and inviting. Yes. Like that. It's funny how before, but now I'm just at the beginning, Kevin. I'm waiting for the day. Now that you mentioned pantry, it's like, oh my gosh, all these other little things that, you have to also pay attention to. So it's That's definitely, awesome. definitely different, different uh, experience. And there's so much, even just building one time going, we're just going in so much wiser with the questions we ask yeah. and kind of Kevin, I'm sure you, you and Melanie, same thing. Like you kind of know what exactly you're looking for to ask for the most part. So definitely helps. Awesome. So exciting. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to the news. We've only got uh Two quick news stories for you today. Um, the first one, actually, I'm, I'm going to do the second one first here, guys, from creativeblock.com. Block, block. because that's cooler. Mm-hmm. Block, B-L-O-C-K. <laughs> LinkedIn launches stories, but it is not an Insta success. It's not. <laughs> it's not that it's great. Stick to the day job, LinkedIn. I, I didn't even know about it until you told me. Oh, yes. I posted uh, almost immediately uh, on LinkedIn stories when it became available. And I forget exactly what I said, but basically, it, I think it was great. Another place to post stories. Yeah. Said no one ever. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It's just, and I saw Will Duverstadt tweeted out. He's like, can't someone just make an app already that just posts one story <laughs> to all the story places, like the story of story apps to just. That's so up. true. So true. I just went on my LinkedIn and all there's only, I only have three stories. Let me guess. They're from weird influencer type people who thought this is a cool new thing. I can shout at more people with. Mm-hmm. Well, they're pretty much just ads for what they do, oh, which is not the point. I think the article implies like this should be behind the scene or LinkedIn. I don't know if LinkedIn said it. The intent is like behind the scenes working office so that because you I don't know if ever, people, everyone would put that like on their own personal profile, but this would be OK place to yeah to be only work related day to day stuff. Yeah. So the intent's cool. Like if 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 people opened up, I don't know if, I don't it's know if like people that do replacing it. Replacing of the water cooler talk, you know, talk, they say yeah. with the new norm now with working from home, that's essentially. But do but, you want to have water cooler talk with the your entire? No. That's where no. I, no. Some of these comments are hilarious uh, from the article, different people tweeting about the change. So was <laughs> one lady says, so basically LinkedIn is now Facebook. No, thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. LinkedIn doesn't need stories. It just needs a job posting feed and that's it. Like <laughs> true. Why is there not a separate feed? So true. true. For people looking to change jobs or careers or geographic areas. 
and then, <laughs> wait, this the next <laughs> one's so funny. Stories, I'm I'm laughing my you know what off. What am I supposed to film? Me begging for a job? <laughs> oh no, it's terrible. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Link, final one. LinkedIn stories are a hilarious concept. Hey, this is me hitting the Keurig after a conference call. Hey, this is me by the printer after I just circled. <laughs> it's like watching the office. Yeah, exactly. Ask my colleague about his current bandwidth. Right. So my positive oh. spin, if the home building industry, if you could somehow have the home building industry connected, and then there was the behind the scenes day to day, that I would be interested in. Yeah, People that would be. participate enough mm-hmm. for it to be enough. I don't want to see like all these other people I connected with like 10 years ago. That's useless. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. to probably filter who I'm connected to. Yeah. But if it was like true Boys behind the scenes. By people trying to sell sweaters, purses, and yeah. makeup. It's everyone yes. off food is selling something most of the time. Mm-hmm. I uh, agree. Everyone's been sending me messages about my skincare routine. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Not me though. But it's there. So now you know it's there. Now you know. Avoid it. Don't feed the LinkedIn story beast, please. Don't. You'll die. Yeah, I, I, it's a no we'll over here. We'll do it or stat. Do it. This thing ever. And LinkedIn will be exploding because of stories. But moving on to our friends at Agora Pulse in the social media lab. This one was cool. Facebook Live versus Facebook Premiere. Does it really matter? This was done pretty recently, September 28th of 2020 uh, by Scott Ayers in the social media lab. And so first they just cover the difference between a premiere and a live video. Premiere is a pre-recorded video with some of the live functionality in it. And the hypothesis that they came, they started with was that Facebook premiere videos would get less reach and engagement than scheduled Facebook live videos. So they ran um, basically two different videos, essentially the same. They obviously weren't completely the same, but mostly the same. And certainly, maybe not a surprise, it did turn out that Facebook Live outperformed Facebook Premiere. But what's interesting is not, I don't think, for what most people would expect. I think most people would say that Facebook Live would do better because the algorithm would favor it more and it would get tremendously more reach, meaning more people would see it. Mm -hmm. It only got... 7.68% 7.68% more reach. Yeah. Yeah, that's... What crazy. did much better was engagements and comments at 188% mm-hmm. for Facebook Live more than a Facebook premiere. And basically what they say is it's because of all those silly, I think, tactics that people on Facebook Live use, like smash the heart button, give me some likes. Right. Hey, tell us where you are. You know, where are you logging in from? <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. I really care. That's rude. Yeah. Uh, well, they don't because <laughs> they don't care. Really <laughs> what they have to come. Hi, I'm coming from Ohio. You know. Yeah. Or they say people's names, so it's mm-hmm. it's more about getting people to stick around longer because they feel like it's more personal, or you're able to engage with them in a different way. So that that makes sense. But it's still, I think, what's really interesting about it is it, it doesn't change my perspective on when I would use a premiere video and when I wouldn't. I agree. Lives and premiere. Um, our builders do lives and premieres, but if my main trade-off is only around an eight percent lower reach, there's a lot of benefits to doing premiere videos too. Mm-hmm. Especially, and like we've talked about, you know, whether it's on a whim, you can't live. You're just, <laughs> I think there's some type of hype with that because you're watching and there's no going back. Yeah, I call it it's there. hype because there could be a four-car pileup at any moment. There on could be. 
Yes. Premiere, you have that like polished content. You're able to edit, spend the time. Yeah, I could definitely see the appeal. Yep. And we've had people use both very successfully for for virtual pre-sale without fail events. Again, and we've had complete success with both scenarios. It's just, are you trying to go for a more interactive, you know, let people ask questions on the fly, or are you trying to just convey the data in a, in a clear, concise way and then take a next step from there? But there you go. Good. Thank you, Agor. Very cool. Always love yeah. your tests. Yeah. All right. We will take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be joined by Carla Tutin, the founder of Tutin Creative. And I think one of the only people to ever fire me, maybe the only person to ever fire me. That's mostly a joke, but you're gonna have to stick around to hear the rest of the story. We'll be right back. You must be keeping secret weapons in your fanny pack. You're like my laughing gas, you got the can to dance. You're like Lance on the mountain in the Tour de France. You got a wingspan spanning the globe. You got gold and you're teaching us all to let go. And we're back with founder and owner of Tutin Creative, Carla Tutin. Carla, thanks for joining us today. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. How long have we known each other, Carla? A couple years now. I don't know if anyone else finds this fascinating, but if I, when I listen to podcasts, I always want to know, like, how long have you guys yeah. known each other? But like, why uh, is this person on? Is there like a deeper connection? Well, we know besides, why she's here, but why? Yeah, is there a deeper connection besides like, oh, they just, they do cool work. Like, it's because it's Carla fired me. How long ago did you say you fired me? <laughs> This See, is it was good. awkward. It was awkward. It, it, uh, <laughs> it was three or four years ago, and it was literally one of my first couple meetings. I'm sitting with, you know, the president, vice president, and here is Kevin Oakley and my client on this conference call, and they're like having this awkward conversation. I'm like, "Hi, I'm new. Mm-hmm. Yes, great. Let's <laughs> okay. just toss me into." It was everything. only awkward for Carla because you didn't have smile. full context there. But... I had no idea what was going on. What what was happening as Carla was was getting us fired is that we had worked with a builder for three years or so. They had had turnover at the sales level. They had turnover at marketing. I think online sales was the only pers- position at that time they didn't have turnover with yet, but they were just struggling. There was some leadership changes at the top, some direction and product. I mean, it was just ownership was trying to step back and give other people more control. That control kind of went a direction that maybe wasn't core to the brand of what the company wanted to be. And so not really due to anything that we were working on with the builder, just other issues. It's just, there was kicks and starts. And um, the question was made like, Hey, could we spend less on this and less on this? And I was like, well, yes, you can. And I got to the point where the, the monthly investment that they were paying to you convert was almost double what total ad spend was out the door. Yeah. And it's like, this doesn't make any sense, but, they didn't have a Carla. And so we they were not ready to depart. But we had, I had my very first call with Carla, which was just a teeny, it was not nearly as awkward as the one we're talking about. And then we had the leadership call and we were like, we think you should fire us. And they're like, huh, okay. Where? I was like, because Carla's here now. And in one call, I could tell that Carla knew what was, what was down. And so I feel better that if we had, I think we had two more calls after our first introduction. Then, I wanted to pick your brain of genius. And then I was like, set them free. You're like, please don't go. leave. <laughs> I was Another like, a couple months. <laughs> I was like, let me talk to you a little bit more. I want to know what's going on. 
but that's that's how we got to know each other. And then you have grown beyond that initial and foray into home building into 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 more than that. We'll talk more about that as we get going. But yeah, that's that's our origin story between Carla and I. We sounds like we're friends when we're talking, but really I'm harboring this deep grudge against her for getting mm. me fired. Just Thank so you know. <laughs> I know. I saw you at Summit. We were in the elevator and I was like, do I say hi? Do I pretend like I'm not in the elevator? Do I, uh, I'm here to learn from him. Like, I'm fired. I'm just going to yeah, be here. That was awesome. So what, what are you doing nowadays, Carla? So a year, about a, over a year ago, I left the home building company to kind of do my own thing as far as being, I wanted to be creatively fulfilled. I love marketing I loved analyzing things and I still do some of that for them. They're now my client, but I wanted to get back to my roots and what I studied for. And so now I've been able to spread my wings and design things that I love. And I don't know, it's really, truly my passion. So that's what I'm doing now. The word unicorn gets tossed around a lot, but someone who can at least even conceptualize something from a design perspective you know, put some put some bones out there. Maybe not the full skin and muscle of of the of the thing we're building, but at least have an idea. Art direct. Maybe that's the better way to say it. Someone who could art direct and understands the technical part of it. That was what was so exciting. Was here's someone who I didn't know then if you could design worth, you know, what my four-year-old can design or not. But you got the technical part, and then you showed me just a little bit of what you were working on from some of the just initial early rebranding ideas. And you're like, what about this type of a campaign? I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff is gorgeous. So design plus tech is two parts of the brain that just oftentimes don't quite intersect. They don't. Definitely very rare, you know, as you said, Kevin, unicorn combination. Like it's it's usually one or the other. So did, you say you wanted to be creatively fulfilled it's not so much about like home building itself wasn't creatively fulfilling, just working on a single brand or, or approach in, in the home building space maybe was, was where you felt like you needed to grow or. I think so I was very much involved with like sales management, marketing, oh the online sales program. Oh, yeah. It was mm. like my first year and a half was amazing. I grew immensely. I learned a ton. I really like deep dove and was just a little sponge. And I soaked up everything that I could to truly understand the brand. And I think it's that process of like rebranding and talking about design and that I wanted to do that in other industries as well. Mm -hmm. I think that to be a truly good designer and to kind of combine like the science or the analyzing of things plus art, you kind of have to be exposed and you have to be able to solve different problems. And so I need to do it in other industries. And so that's what I, I like the challenge. And I think that's how you cross pollinate ideas. And it just makes what I've done before even better. And I don't mean to knock on anyone, but I really think home building is 10 years behind on some things. And I really think that we can. Audacity. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Fight Club. Tell me more about that. <laughs> I love it. I think it's interesting. I've done several years at IBS and all these different classes and for example, us on small scale, we might talk about animation and storytelling. Well, that was so like 2009 when everything starts happening on your phone and we have Instagram stories and we're um, having to think about different ways to appeal to an audience and engage them. That was so like 
five or six years ago. I don't know why it's just now this new concept. That's just what, what I also started yeah. out around that time when I got out of college, I was diving, I was hired, um, had an in-house agency for um, student housing. And so I don't know if you've ever done rentals first, like these huge complexes. Mm-hmm. It is a beast, Kevin. It is, you have a finite amount of people in your pool and a finite amount, a finite amount of time to fill up. It's yeah. like a bloodbath. It was fast paced. It was design sprints constantly. And it really taught me how yeah, to It's like political up. advertising for the housing industry. It was insane, but I loved it. It was like really how I like launched all my skill set. And when you're in-house, you kind of like put on a ton of different hats. And so because the audience we were appealing to was college students, you're having to be on the edge of everything. You kind of have to be super trendy. I will assume what I think what you said by that as far as the 10 years behind. I think there, because you don't have to be 2020 to still still to sell homes, like if it's in the right location. So I don't say that could be used uh-huh. as a crutch, but I think other industries, like you said, if you don't, if you aren't 2020 current, you won't have success. Like it won't, it won't work, but be because there's so many other ways to find the homes or like, if they want to live there, they might drive there or they pass it every day. Anyways, they will see it without having, having to see the marketing. Um, but I, I, I see what you mean on that for sure. Um, I wish there was more, and this is where you probably shine like more creative uh, depth builders as far as just variances and creatives and their ads and just like the quality of, of what is being, what is being made. And when I worked for a home builder, I, my first project, I was originally hired to rebrand them. And at the time I was like, Oh, we're talking about like logos and colors. And that's what you would call visual identity. And now being with them for a year and a half, you know, it's really about what is your message? What are you trying to say to your um, customers? And I really think it just takes, it's so, it's so much depth. It's like into like your work culture. Are you being transparent? Are you, I'm having to think through every touch point possible. Is it consistent? And what's the customer experience about? So you want to look good, right? That's your form, but you also want to function really well too. And that's really what I constantly think about all the time when I'm designing anything. Does it make sense? Or does it just look nice? If it looks nice, that's that's one part of it, but it also has to like communicate and I don't know, tell your story and who you are really well because you're these people don't know you. And that was one thing I remember talking to some of these our sales agents was we need to connect with these people. It's more than just like we're not they're not buying a pair of jeans. They're buying a home and it can be romantic and it can be emotional and there's a lot that goes into it, but we're so hyper-connected that it's very important to me and I'm just type A, but we have to look good and cohesive and our messaging has to look good. But I could just go around in this five mile radius and pull everyone's information or open up 10 tabs and that's how they're going to compare you. And what do you look like and what are you saying and what's your positioning against your competitors? And so it's really like engaging them and being relatable and building a relationship because I don't know. Sometimes people just don't like home builders and you're going to have to overcome that. Is it figuring out where advertising and marketing needs to add value? The reason I say that is there's some companies who I know and I, I applaud what they do because they, they know who they are and they know their approach. Meaning I'm going to overpay 
for my land position, overpay in air quotes, by 10%, and always make sure I control the absolute best location in an area. And I'm not really going to run ads. I will market still. I'll have a good brand. You think about really nice restaurants this way, like the high-end restaurants, they don't run ads usually ever anywhere. It's like Tesla. Like I don't, I don't see the ad. They said, we're going to focus on marketing versus advertising. And so I think there's certainly an approach for a builder to say, I'm going to work with someone like Carla to have a great visual identity and to know who I am and to communicate consistently who I am and be in the right way to build trust and transparency with them. But I don't need to run ads. And then there's other builders who say, I'm going to create a place that has no reason for existence. Like right now, if I said, we're going to build homes in this town, everyone would say, why? And, but we're going to tell a story. We're going to create a place. And that's where the value is added. So what, what part of your value added process does marketing and advertising need to, and aligning those things? Because where, where it definitely breaks down is the average builder who builds the average product and then wants to just run average advertising and wondering why they're not winning. Like, I feel like there's some, there's something there. Does that make sense to you? Or does it sound strange? I view marketing, design, and advertising as sisters that have to work in tandem. And you, you can spend a lot of money on advertising and you can say what you want to say about yourself, but do people truly believe it? Are you engaging them? Are you visually communicating what you need to communicate? I think design is really kind of this huge umbrella over everything. I don't know that it's necessarily separate. I think your marketing and advertising and everything in between can be under also, you know, under branding, uh-huh. capital B, I'm talking uh-huh. capital B. Little B branding is like, you know, do your colors and your fonts make sense? Is your logo responsive? So I think it all has to kind of work together. Yeah, so it has and to be in alignment. That, that, that part, it sounds like, anyway, we would agree on is that if it doesn't, if it doesn't align, like that, I think the other thing that Andrew and I see all the time is where people have great product, great location, great value proposition, good brand, and then they want to way over-index on advertising, that's not necessary. So that's it's like, well, why are you doing that? I mean, there's really no purpose because you're already exceeding your sales goals, you're hitting your margins. Um, so, so again, to me, it just goes back to aligning those styles. Carla, would you say design, what do you mean by the word design? Are you, like, could you define that in your brain? Is that what it'd be like? an iPhone design, like the interface versus say an Android phone. I think someone would be like, well, the iPhone is designed better. I guess unpack that for everyone in case they're like, well, what is, what do you mean by that? I think design. So this is difficult because the majority of this audience is listening or a bunch of non-designers and they're like, I don't care. Does it look oh, that's good? good? Yeah. See, that's me. Yeah. I'm the non-designer. I'm- yeah. You're the non-designer, <laughs> but you know, good. So Design, I kind of have design thinking. I went to university for it. You kind of have to think through things, right? And there was a, um, a quote that I absolutely love that um, it's by Jared Spool, who is an expert in user experience. And it was good design when done well should be invisible. So you can kind of apply that to, I don't know, your business card, a mailer, all the way down to your ad campaign, to your signage, to what you 
what your messaging is as a whole. I think that branding can be like a whole living, breathing thing. But anyway, he's basically saying that you need to be, if you have bad design, it's like so obvious that you had a bad experience, Mm -hmm. right? Things need to be easy to buy. Agents need to be able to sell you easily and you need to be, it needs to be easy to build brand equity. So things just stick out like a sore thumb. A small example would be when I first joined the company, we drove around all the communities and they had these yard signs with all these call rail numbers on them and they were green. Do you know what else is green? Grass. Grass Grass (laughs) is green. I can't see that sign. So you have a sign, that's the form. It's not functioning well. Mm -hmm. Because we put these numbers on it, they were all mixed up, of course, as things happen in a small company. So you kind of have to think about the function of things and how yep. do I make it scalable and easy that it's foolproof and I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to sit there and think about numbers on everything. It is what it is. It's not going to get screwed up. And I'm always thinking about, I, I would hate for someone to have a hard time to find us because the frustration is like that and they're mm-hmm. gone. That's like I above... Think- at all. That's my grinds my gears is a bad customer experience. Yeah. And it, you don't always, you can't always articulate it, but you know, something's off where I find I, I see this more often because visual, I think I'm just more used to the, the visual two dimensional aspect of design, but product packaging, it's just like, Oh, this is, makes so much sense. Like when Heinz turned the ketchup bottle upside down and put the cap at the bottom. Mm. So you didn't have to wait for the ketchup to come down slowly. And when the sour cream people finally came up with the same dang idea of let's put squeezable sour cream in a tube, I don't buy any generic sour creams anymore. Not that I'm a brand snob when it comes to sour cream, but whatever the most expensive one's the only one that has a better packaging, which also has better function. And, and most people think that must be like an engineer. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> trust me, a marketer came up with that idea. It wasn't, you know, like we need to make this better comes from comes from design or a designer perspective yeah you want to be easy squeezy lemon breezy that's my thing before (laughs) i get on site i'm like i'm gonna make this easy peasy y'all it's whatever it's 2020 i can make i'm huge on whatever the sales team needs to make their lives easier i i can think of something i'll make it up you can buy a car from a vending machine i could make something for you anything Mm -hmm. to make their lives easier easy to sell and it looks Interacting with non-designers, have you picked up any tricks or or things that you like to to do to help people understand Carla speak, design speak? Um, again, we talked about this earlier. I've been very blessed to just work with people that get it, but I I am learning that I think I had a recent rebrand for a local wood shop here in town, and they know nothing about design. They're really like, well, when I see it. I know it. That's like the worst thing you can hear is the designer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. What does that mean? Yeah. But I, I really like to sit down and I talk to them and they try to like articulate what they want, what they don't like. Um, and I, you had mentioned this one time that a good designer overanalyzes conversations. Oh, I absolutely do. You kind of have to pull apart what they're trying to say. Um, and then when I, uh, you know, do a presentation, is typically about trying to define what is branding and what is a logo and then going through. Sometimes it's hard for people to visualize. So I'll come up with any type of mock-up that'll make it kind of translates a little bit better for them because not everyone can visualize 
what a brand would look like in real life. Yeah. My favorite trick was, I'm looking on my bookshelf right now. Yeah. It's called the non-designers design book. And it's, I think like $9.99 on Amazon. And this is st- stupid kid out of college when I started working with people on freelance design work. I like, can you just imagine the snot nosed kid that you just hired to do something because you thought it was going to be cheap and easy because he's just out of college? And they were like, could you please read this book so we can communicate together as we work on this project? <laughs> 400 pages, by the way. But yeah, um, I would loan I it out it to is, people but... and I'd be like, can you just glance through this so we can be on the same page? And it covered the concepts of like visual That's weight funny. and, and, uh, w- trapped white space and some of the foundational elements of design. But since then, obviously, I no longer require people to read that. But Man, I do. I like that. I still pull things from that uh, to because it just had to, like the simplest way possible of explaining it that just boils it down for people. I talk to people in construction or the sales team, and it, it's we have so different types of brains that I've just learned to communicate what I'm trying to say. It's, I mean, one time. They love to hide things from me because I have these guidelines, but I have guidelines that are fluid and adaptable, but it's really just, just look nice. That's all I'm asking. Um, <laughs> I, uh, and I, and she'll probably listen to this podcast and be like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I, wear a collared shirt when you're live streaming a webinar as an example, maybe for a guy would be a good general rule of thumb. Yeah. Just look like a professional. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Um, I feel like Carla, Carla, we have to create an account that no one will know it's you, but now they all will. Now they will. Where we just, what wasn't there a, there used to be a popular blog, Perez Hilton, where they they were just like sketch on top of people's pictures. We should do that for bad design and marketing stuff. I would love it. No, it's, I love nothing. I love going on site and doing community checks because I'm like, that's wrong. That's wrong. That looks crazy. You, what what has happened here? I've been gone for like three weeks. Who cut up numbers to make a new number? I don't know how you did that. So, so let's, let's hop back for a second to the 10 years behind comment. Cause most of the time when people hear us talk about that, they're talking about technology or like sophisticatedness of home builders are 10 years behind. Why don't you have XYZ feature digital service option to do all my design studio stuff remotely, et cetera. I also, I don't know if this is what you meant or not, but I also think from a visual identity perspective, like if I see another home builder whose logo is a house, Okay. I was about to finish your sentence, Kevin. <laughs> like the roof line, like three of them or something. Yeah. I was like, I you get a it. Roofing you build- company? But the ironic thing is most of them don't offer an actual chimney option. And there's a chimney sticking out of the roof because, of course, yeah. without a chimney, it's just a triangle. So mm-hmm. you've got to have the chimney. But it's on top, so it's a roof. So what is that about? Why? why I mean, why? Why? Because that seems less hard to fix than... I don't know how to let people make all their selections and add to cart. Is that just because there haven't been good designers like you who have been pushing them and offering to help? I think there's always a time. I mean, it may have been whenever it's usually like it's been like 10 years since they had their new logo, right? That at the time it's not, it's not valued, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I just need something. I build homes, homes on top of my name. Got it. I'm done. Right. They don't think about storytelling. And I was just listening to a video by Michael 
Barut, who's a designer, one of the partners at Pentagram, which you may not know who Pentagram is, but they're like, if you want to buy a logo for a million dollars, you go to them because you're MasterCard, right? Huge. So he was mentioning someone had interviewed him. There was back in 2009. And they're like, there's this huge push for branding and being visually great. Why is that? Is it like a flash pan reaction to whatever? Or is it something that's going to last around? And he pointed out that around that time, everyone's having, everyone's online. Everyone can research things on their phone. Everything's mobile. Everyone has good designs, more accessible, right? And it's more noticeable. Like if I can't access a website, or buy things from my phone, I'm upset. And so I think when they have, it, it was probably created when there wasn't, it wasn't that accessible to have good visual identity. And they just kind of wanted to slap something on and move on. But now we're kind of getting to a time where I love a story and I'm a millennial and I'm going to read about the company before I invest into it. I want to be able to have some type of relationship with them. Um, and I think that's, I think there's just going to be a huge shift and there's going to be a lot of, um, a huge emphasis on branding as a whole. Like, who are you? Yeah. It, it's something that you can control and, and create to be purposefully different. And it's kind of the last, not the last thing that's too dramatic, but it's the thing that, like I was saying before, can add the most value that scales with your organization. Like your cost doesn't have to, if you work with the right person, maybe this makes more sense, right? That, so that company that's going to pay someone a million dollars to rebrand or more, just the visual identity, let alone changing everything out. Does it have to be a million dollars? You know, I, I think that's, that's also part of this is the democratization of design, hopefully, where you're not stuck saying my only choice are these two companies and both of them are excessively expensive. And I'm, and I'm, if I'm not someone who doesn't understand the, the value I'm really purchasing, maybe that's the thing is it's like, is it worth that much? I don't know. Like I paid 60 grand for my site and this person wants to charge me 200 grand for a visual identity of a new community. Like that seems rather like only so many people are going to do that. And so maybe part of it is, <laughs> uh, you're supposed to say, I'll take it. Um, if I you, will take it. I think part of that is, is as, as younger people like you, I have no idea how old you are. I could be totally off base here. You seem younger more. Like you said, you said you're millennial. So there we go. That's, that a, that's a range. I think part of 40. the movement of younger people is to say, I mean, do you convert has done the same thing. People work with us and they're like, I was just paying someone seven times what we are about to pay you. And now we get better results. This is amazing. So I think that's where people like you create an op this opportunity to say it doesn't have to be prohibitively expensive or complicated. No, it doesn't need to be. It's more accessible now and it can be done on different tiers. Do you just want a slight tweak or are you doing like a huge overhaul? It, typically, it's going to be just somewhere in the middle that makes more sense for a small to mid-sized builder, right? It is an investment, but it doesn't need to take a huge chunk out. Right. Yeah. I think there is. And then as a designer, you have to show the value of that investment. But again, it doesn't need to cost $200,000, but I will take check. Would you say, um, I feel like maybe you could give some guidance on like, when, when should I do a refresh or, or at least a reevaluation of my, what everything looks like. And I, I was just thinking like, well, if you haven't changed anything since Facebook, Instagram, social, and mobile has been the forefront. Like that is the 
I imagine like when you design now, Carla, like that has to be like top of mind. Like most people will see this in this context. If that hasn't, if that wasn't top of mind of the designer when they did the logo in 1992, obviously it wasn't Facebook wasn't around. Then you're probably way overdue if it's then, but like about time. If your logo ratio, if your logo's ratio is forty-five to one, exactly. Like you're going to be in in top of a newspaper, whatever may be. Like right. Things now, it's like, oh, that won't fit in the Facebook like bio, like square. Like, oh, that's not good. We don't even have a square logo design or something. Yeah, if your logo isn't responsive, what I mean by that, it looks good at full size. Like when I, I don't know, stick it somewhere horizontal and huge. And then it also has to be readable at the tiny little web browser on your tab, right? It needs mm-hmm. to be fluid and adapt to all those different mediums. I mean, before you are just possibly just designing for just print. And now we're having to do it across all these different sizes and it kind of needs to work across all those mediums. As far as like rebranding, when's a good time? I think companies rebrand, I'm going to say this just broadly, right? A for different reasons. Maybe they merged, maybe they are hitting a new market and they want to say something new. They may have a new product offering and change direction business-wise, or they just need to revitalize what they look. If you look outdated and you know you look outdated, it's about time. Facebook and Instagram have already rebranded since they first started. It's probably, let's get get going. It it looks like an eyesore. If it looks like something's not right and your website looks great, but your logo is like kind of sticking out like a sore thumb. It's probably about time. I want to do some rapid fire stuff here to, to end us. Why, why are you making those faces? You're, you're quick on your accepted. feet. No sweat here. <sighs> um, <laughs> so just as fast as you can, there's no official rules to this. One day we'll get good enough at this podcast thing to make official rules and have this be an official segment, have an intro music, the whole deal. But for now, Tell us something that most people don't know about you. I am a creative, but I love data analysis. Like I love home building. I have submerged Mm -hmm. myself in it. My first year, I read every single review and avid on Google and Facebook. I've got to know what people see about us and where you got to tweet things. That's how obsessive I am. You are obsessive. That's something most people might not know. Awesome. That's all designers, by the way. I would say designers are obsessive. Yep. Um, Favorite band of all time? Favorite band of all time? Mm -hmm. That's a hard one. I really like Fleetwood Mac. Okay. Favorite food of all time? Rice. Any certain Um, kind of rice? Well, it is a food, but it's also like its own category. So give us a specific Jasmine white rice. Okay. Uh, Smells great. I grew up on it. I'm half Filipino. Absolutely love it. I could eat it with anything. Favorite sure. brand? My favorite brand is Airbnb. Ooh, I, that I think is going to be my favorite stock of the night. I mean, I think they're, uh, yeah, that company is, it's amazing. Don't get distracted. Keep going, Kevin. And Starbucks. Favorite color? Navy. If you had to pick an accent color, it just said Navy. An accent color, I would do either yeah. orangey do or a one. yellow. Oh, okay. No, I like it. That's Michigan colors. We don't like Michigan where I come from. Mm. So I was, I would have to throw in silver because I'm not, I'm not touching. I like jewel tones. I typically love jewel tones. Not happening. What is the worst design trend of the last five years? Worst design trend. Mm. I would say textures with other textures, like 
I did that maybe a couple of years ago with like watercolor texture with this texture. It's that's like 2016. I feel like it's mm-hmm. too much. I, I don't need, I need all that. I just need it to be flat, colorful, where's basic design. I think overuse of textures, that's probably mine. Yep. And, and I think if you use something that's trendy, you have to very quickly get rid of it to yes. be like, you yes. just, you could do it, but then. Right. Bye. See you later. I try to be as intentional and as long lasting as possible. Cause I'm not trying to like, Oh, I got to update all this stuff. Every two later months. On. Yeah. Yep. I just don't want to look outdated. Okay. What last, last question. If you could, if you were going to start a home building company, what would it be called? The marketer in me just needs to shut up because my brain is like, America's best custom home builder. I mean, that's like what I am. But that is Probably not makes sense. Yeah, because then I'll just get every search engine possible. So you're, yeah, you're going after the, I can't believe it's not butter, like, or this is the best shampoo of all time, shampoo brand. I know, but my that's my marketing brain. Like, what's the easiest thing that I don't have to deal with? And I don't think it should be named, I Dude don't knows. know. Two knobs. If I have to hear one more, Last I'm name. a locally home... Which I love. They're all locally owned, family owned. It's just another yeah. one. But that's just the starting place. Mine would be Echo Homes. Echo, oh. Like Echo. Mm. Because we're going to echo what you give us in the home. So what you're bringing to us, we're going to push through to the house. And then we can also play on the green, sustainable, all the other stuff around Eco. But we're not Eco, we're Echo. That's, oh, I like it. Anyone wants to take that? You go ahead. I Have you bought the domain name for it yet? No, but Buying I will it. right after Sell this before the before the uh, <laughs> dem- the the podcast goes live. Yeah, I never have thought about that question. If I ever, I hadn't either. I just made it up. You can. You What's can yours, Andrew? I don't on know. The spot. I feel like so. Kevin, I feel like has hinted and to me, if I ever wanted to do something, I should be a developer. Oh, oh really? Right. I feel like that. You're, yeah. You. You. I think that's more your interest. I don't think you have an interest I, as much on the home side as much as the. Because you talk about land. Like we go on I calls, do, I do. Yeah. Our weekly calls, and he's like, so there's this piece of property around the corner. I'm like, well, then you like land. You should I do, just like I weather. Do. And I think the only thing you'd put on your land is weather stations. That's my hunch. Weather I don't stations. think you'd ever I know get this hurricane out there right now is going two miles an hour. <laughs> like, are you joking me? <laughs> I, get moving. I get my weather news from you on Instagram. Good. See, right? it, How many weather strikes in a minute or something? I, I was like, that, man, what? Just one per second. Is that ridiculous? 1.1 per second. Yes. Which if you've seen. What, I'm buying you a green that? screen so you can be a meteorologist. You we need to, we need to turn your background into it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'd probably be, yeah, something develop, development. It's a cliche, like Andrew's Andrew development company. <laughs> Peak development. Peak company. development. Oh. There you go. The, I could do that for anything with my last name. Peak. Yeah. Whatever. And then they'd spell it wrong. They wouldn't be able to find it. You know, so it's maybe Luckily, not a good you know, idea. How to use maybe Google don't do that. To fix that. That's true. So that is true. It'll work. Bit of my brand. Um, Carla. Okay. Last, last serious question. How does, how does a home builder, what can Toot and Creative do to help a home building organization? What is the scope of what you do? That's the fun thing about design and graphic design is that we can do, I just apply those skills to literally everything. You need sales. Like booklet a flyer? And so, I like to do like. I like to do rebranding. I like mm-hmm. to do microsites. I can do your nice sales presentation folder or templates if you need them to get started. Signage. Um, signage plan. I do, I, it's like, I don't just do like signage. I need to do a signage plan. We need to make sure that it makes sense. I recently had a um, conversation with one of our agents and they were like, we have a new phase. We have to add a ton of signs and people need to find where this new phase is. And I'm like, 
well, I can do that, but let's think about it. People are driving into a master plan community. They don't know this area. You want to have arrows that point to your model and the new phase. So you want people to drive around in circles. So let's just think about, Where do I go? you got to pick one, yeah. pick one. So pick one. it's signage and thinking about wayfinding. I'm really huge into like combining strategy and design. So this is what I think. Like as design a, strategy. As a, another weird analogy at Heartland Home. I used to, I used to use this as an example because I like to train the salespeople to give people tangible examples of a broader concept. So when someone would say, well, you, you say you're a custom builder at Heartland. What does that mean? And we would say it means we have two rules. We don't do ugly and we don't do unsafe, but anything else is allowed. And then the other thing that I said, but unlike some custom builders, we also don't make you worry about the things you don't care about. Like if you add a garage access door to the back of your garage to be able to get to the backyard from the garage, you also, we include the trim, we include a light switch, we include an outlet, we give you a nice door with, with windows above it. Like we do it the way that it would need to be done. So you don't have to think about what trim profile you want on that garage door because that's not what most people care about. They just want to make sure it's not ugly and it's safe and it's cohesive. And so it sounds like that's kind of your approach is come to me with whatever you need help with but I'm going to try to help you think about it more holistically. So it's not just a run and gun cowboy wild west, you know, exactly. throw it, it out there and see what sticks. I take into consideration what non-designers are saying. We try to make, we want the best solution. It doesn't do me any good or you any good as a client that I just give you a sign. It needs to make sure that it makes sense. Like you said, holistic approach, yeah. but we do animation and social graphics. It's really like, Everything but the kitchen sink. Go to tootandcreative.com and check her out. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time. Always good to see you. Yes. Thank you for having me. We also have to say thank you for being a sponsor of The Pulse. That was awesome to have you involved there as well. And something that other people may not know is you designed The Pulse logo for us. And I logo did. identity, visual identity, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And I revised the Do You Convert Little Funnel. <gasps> oh, uh, yes, Cats you did. You forgot about that? No, I, I <laughs> forgot that everyone else doesn't necessarily know about that. Yeah, you're right. That was the sad moment. Jackie came back from maternity leave and I was like, Jackie, you've got to be like either pissed or sad that you went on maternity leave and the company you work for as a designer, you didn't get to redesign the logo. And she's like, honestly, maybe I would, but Carla's awesome and what awesome person, but the, the work is just like, if you would have hired someone to do a crappy job, then yeah, as a designer, I'd be hurt, but it looks awesome. It works. Carl's awesome. I got, I got no problem at all with that. So that was fun to hear too. And I was waiting for a feedback. I was like, God, Jackie, tell me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're officially out of time. Thanks, Carla. We'll see you around. Thank you. See y'all at Pulse. See ya. All righty. All right, and we're back. Let's hop right into this week's answers to last week's question of the week. One of these days, I'll figure out a faster, easier, simpler way to say that. (laughs) How do you feel about Zillow's hiring of agents as salaried employees to sell their existing homes? Surprised? Not surprised? Let us know below. And our good friend, Kevin Weitzel, 
from outhouse just did an old a big old cannonball into the middle of the pool it's <laughs> a good way to put it yeah right jumped cannonball kevin story building jumped right <laughs> in the pool and, and had a fairly strong opinion here uh jackie you want to read that sure okay so kevin said it's predatory get the industry and consumers comfortable using your platform then monetize and when you have buy-in from the industry you are serving pounce block out the competition and cut out the ones that spread the word and helped elevate your platform once they force their way into this aspect of business the next logical step is to offer a service on your platform that home builders have to use and then manipulate again to where they are dependent on your service as a subscription it's very calculated not far off from making it darn near impossible to include Matterport tours on your listings. And then when forced to include it, simply offer a free service to skirt Matterport. At least there's one way. That's one way of looking at it. So how do you really feel, Kevin? This is a lot of what the reaction we heard from the general real estate community, actually. Um, not, yeah. not surprising. There's mm-hmm. a lot of this, this does feel not nice. I, st- you know, yeah. and my, my response back to him, which I'll just read for simplicity was that my hunch is that this is part of the decision. This is part of a decision that had more to do with making everything run more smoothly with their iBind program on both ends, both for them, certainly higher profit margin, but also can you imagine working with, let's just say, eight different contractors, which I know general real estate folks listening, you're not contractors, but you're someone that's not working as a Zillow employee. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get them to all do the same thing. And there's eight different people in every major city across the country who works for another organization or is self-employed and you're telling them to do something a certain way. You have to imagine it would be easier, just like any franchise model, right? If you're trying to standardize Mm -hmm. Thing. Yeah. I just can't imagine the headache of trying to get everyone to do it the right way with the best customer service, et cetera. Certainly I want the money too. No, no doubt about it. But my completely wild guess is that this is this whole thing's been in process for about two years or certainly ever since Raskoff left as CEO there. Mm-hmm. You know, their strategy shifts with the landscape in front of them. And I do expect it to keep shifting over the next few years to come and really forever. Um, the word predatory seems too far for me when the majority of the used home industry refuses to adapt or change at all. And that was really Zillow's moves seem more radical because everyone else is doing the dead man float in the pool. Mm. They're swimming. They're at least making motion happen. Yeah. And everyone else is like in the, in the, with in the pool with the floaties, just like hanging out. Kitty pool with the poop in it. That's really rude. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I feel. Like. I was reading, um, there's some Instagram accounts that I follow that are humor. They're like memes, whatever, about real estate. And it's interesting. And then they'll post something like this. And then there's like the serious discussion that they try to have on Instagram, which is an awful place to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But my whole thing on there was like, and this is like unfiltered realtor, realtors talking to other realtors on a realtor Instagram account. I'm like, everything seems so selfish, like about the realtor, like versus like the consumer, the person buying. It was, it's very, I'm like, this seems backwards. It'd be like the, like FedEx and UPS and USPS fighting over something that makes their life easier, driving the trucks to deliver packages versus yeah. like 
how quickly can we get packages to well, people? Right. Time. Yeah. I have to be careful because it is when, weird. when I, when I did the interviews last week with folks, you know, every time I talk to, to Bill Lublin, I'm like, Oh, I really, I mean, I really just don't understand the general real estate industry. I, I feel like I do because I've worked with a lot of real estate agents and a lot of builders you work with have close relationships with agents, but it is different. And one of the things that's so different is they're all doing the same job, but again, radically different ways with radi radically different levels of professionalism. Certainly there's a minimum standard, but what we hear a lot from general real estate folks is, well, the agent is like the hometown hero. It's like your state farm agent, you know, the, the one who sponsors all the soccer teams and shows up at parties and just kind of, and, and a, almost like a, po a political figure, like the mayor of the town. But they're a mayor no one voted for. And so if you're not good at being mayor, you can't <laughs> mm -hmm. say that's who you are. And you're yeah. like, yeah. You know, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? It no? is. It's almost, yeah, it's, well, like, the change is, I don't know. I'll start saying things I probably shouldn't well, say. It's, it's, it's like someone walking into your life saying, I'm going to be your new best friend. And like, well, I didn't, I don't, I don't yeah. want, I don't want that. I don't want that. With this other mean? friend I already have. It's kind of like when I go to the bank. And they're constantly like, do you have someone helping you with your financial situation? Yes. And I've told you five times and I <laughs> like them. And I went to school with, you know, I just feel comfortable. It's working well. I don't want to talk to you about that. You know, it's mm -hmm. so every, every, every five agents that are amazing and earn every penny and probably deserve to be paid three times more. Just because there's so many of them, there's this problem of this general reputation that isn't fair to that. that I group. think so. We're so amazing at their job. I think you could say the same thing for like marketing agencies <laughs> on average. Yep. Like if you, so, yeah, you so the, the, um, so that account again, if you go to it, they, he, so he makes fun of the industry, which is why I follow it. Fun of real estate agents, but he's a real estate agent. So it's okay. Yeah. And he's like, tell us how, I think the post was, tell us how you really, really feel. He goes to Google and he's like, Real estate agents are, and then the auto, whatever, oh. the suggested search pops up and you're like, oh, <laughs> and it's his face reacting to it. And you're like, oh gosh, that's, that's kind of funny um, that he put it out there. And that's people. why those agents have yeah. to work so hard to not be branded as a real estate agent, but as he's, he's the funny guy, like he's, yeah, you, you got to be branded as an individual or, or organization. Cause if you're branded with the whole industry, yeah. I mean, most of the people that we work with at DU Convert are people who say, I hate agencies and I never want to work with another one. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of one of the common links is we do not like the way that agencies ask us to interact with them. It's not enjoyable mm -hmm. in any way. So the the exceptional real estate agents deserve everything that they, yeah, they do. Yeah. And that Absolutely. goes into Martha's comment, I think, which is specifically about the Zillow News. I am not surprised smiley face, but I'm not overly worried or affected either. It seemed to be a natural step with Zillow offers to, to the complete corralling of all stages of the home buying process and the services involved, upping their visibility and eye buying and streamlining their process. It seems limited for now. And I think that's like, can you imagine that Zillow is not going to get into short-term and long-term rentals? Can yep. you imagine that they're not going to shift wherever the consumer is? I mean, that is yeah. the first star. Which is all like all those things are consumer focused. Like if you have a rental and you could let Zillow do the showing for you and handle all that be good for a landlord. Yep. Like, I think the, thanks. as the dust has settled now, two weeks or so from their initial announcement, the biggest thing the builders seem to be struggling with is just 
having to put their existing homes into the MLS if that's not currently part of their standard practice or they don't want extra exposure in the MLS because of the market conditions right now. That's kind of the biggest shift of the change, not, not the agents or you know Zillow hiring uh, their own employees to be real estate agents for the homes they purchase. The MLS part seems to be more tricky. So we've lined up someone who works on setting MLS national standards will be on the show here. Wow. Oh, that'll be a good. Help and other builders who don't use the MLS as frequently. What are we missing about how all this works and the best ways that we could be using it? So stay tuned for that. Super cool. All right. That'll do it for this week. For articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best place to find out where to connect with us online, on social media, everywhere else. And we'll see you again real soon. See ya. See ya. 